the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Morgan Zeggers, and we're calling it the Morgan Zegger Show now, you guys, because you know what? Why not? It's my podcast. Um, and things get too crazy to even call it some sanity anymore. I mean, come on. <laughs> I just can't do it anymore. Uh, let's start with a button. I kill a communist for fun. But for a green card, I'm going to carve him up real nice. Mm, that is so fun. Okay. Um, I need more buttons. I wish I could. I wonder, I bet you I probably could because it's 2022, but I just don't understand technology enough. I would love like a big board of buttons. Right now I only have eight, so I'm a little limited. We uh, are trained Marxists. <laughs> I was the co-founder of Black Lives Matter. I think that there's a lot of people more concerned about being precisely, factually, and semantically correct than about being morally right. (laughs) You guys know who that was. Uh, That was a classic. What's this one? If you're vaccinated, you can do all these things. Here are all these freedoms that you have. Because otherwise, people are going to go out and enjoy these freedoms anyway. Uh Uh-oh, can't have that. Because otherwise, if everything is reopened, then what's the carrot going to be? What's the carrot going to be? We do want to say to people, come to Chinatown. Here we are. <laughs> oh, what a blast from the past. That was from two years ago, uh, like March 2020, when Nancy Pelosi was like, everything's fine. Come to Chinatown. <laughs> oh, man. Um, you guys, what's up? Um, we're talking today because I recently got back from a Western adventure. I've been adventuring all over. Um, I've actually, so I have a forerunner. And I am currently based out of Arizona. I have a base camp is what I call it, which is an apartment in uh, in the area of Phoenix, I guess you could say. And I call it base camp because it's basically just filled with all of my outdoor gear. Uh, I jam-packed everything in it. And then my forerunner is also like always packed up for something to do. So like my, my ski stuff is in the back of my forerunner right now and I just kind of keep it in there because hey you never know you could be driving through the desert of Arizona and come across a really fun snowy mountain just in case you never know uh so yeah I'm at base camp and now whenever I get an invite for something in the west I drive it baby I picked the worst time to move to the west for the year with the intent of adventuring because, well, what do you know now gas is $5 a gallon. And that's something that I witnessed on my most recent adventure. I was driving through, uh, where was I? I was in like Nevada area and in the state of Nevada. Oh my goodness. $5 gallon of gas. The first one I've ever seen in my whole life. It was, it was pretty sad. Um, so that being said, yeah, bad time to pick a year for adventuring by vehicle, but that's okay. I'm not going to let a $5 gallon of gas stop me and my little forerunner from experiencing the Wild West, baby, God's beautiful creation. So um, I keep driving around and I really love it. Like 
I don't go out much in case you couldn't tell. And so on a weekend, I literally do nothing except treat it like any other day. And I just do my work and I kind of go for a hike and do my usual stuff. Like every morning, a work day or a weekday, I am on a morning run slash hike and then I do my media work and then I do my night routine and it's fantastic. I am simple lady, but, um, it is kind of fun for me at least to say this weekend, I'm going to go on a long drive and have a destination. And, uh, that's like a key way for me to spend a weekend driving through the mountains. So a recent trip that I went on was to Utah because my dad, who's been in the military for 38 years, he retired And so he, before COVID, had um, transitioned out to the reserves in Utah and would drill out there. And so we had always said that we were going to have like a father-daughter skiing trip out there. And then when COVID hit, things just definitely changed. I mean, I moved to Texas uh, because I refused to live in tyrannical New York State where I was. And then uh, his drill, the military, they started doing like remote drilling. And so (laughs) whatever the verb would be for that. The, they started to drill remotely, I guess. And uh, th- he would just like Skype in. So we couldn't go. And then now, just in time for me to move out west to Arizona, my dad had his last drill in actually Utah. And uh, he actually flew out and then we had his retirement ceremony. So it was super fun. But up there, oh my gosh. I mean, we hear about the problems of these rural areas that have been conservative bastions for so long. Uh being overrun by just development in general and most importantly who's moving into those developments liberals and leftists and people from blue areas that are going to bring their values and they're going to bring their way of voting unless we we transition them kindly by communicating why our communities are so great and worthy of being moved into uh so it was very very clear that that's what's happening in Utah. Now, while I was there, I was very excited because not only did I get to adventure with my dad, not only did I get to pin him at his retirement ceremony and we skied a lot and we adventured and everything, but I also got to speak at an event called Bonfire, Bonfire 2022. And it was, it kind of like coincided with the hunting expo that was happening there. So super cool. My dad was really excited because before my speech, when I was like all in my dress and stuff, we had free time and we, he was like, can we go walk around the expo? So we ended up walking around the expo and, um, I wasn't really dressed for the occasion, but that's okay. Uh, it was super fun and there was a a ton of cool furniture that I wanted to buy and put into my, my homestead one day. Uh, but that event was the bonfire event was specifically, a bunch of people, community leaders, business leaders, and leaders in in sports and, and hunting and all this stuff coming together because they are in Utah and they are seeing the invasion of their state. And I don't, you know, mean it like terrible invasion, but uh, the, the mass migration of people from blue states moving into their states, driving up the prices and bringing their destructive values, uh, political values with them. And I loved it because the theme was God, family, country, and my speech that I was designated to was titled God, family, country by the people who put the event on. So first of all, thank you, Mike and and Kira for including me in the lineup because the lineup was hunters, warriors, and athletes. That's what, (laughs) that's what it said, uh, like in the byline of the event. And I was like, I'm, I'm all of those, right? I'm also an NFL superstar, super bowl ring person. Um, 
But guys, literally, like that's who was invited. So it was people from the Super Bowl, NFL players, big time hunters and big time veterans and all that stuff. And then what do you know? Little old Morgan got invited because they needed a feminine touch on the stage. And so that's what I brought. We talked about family, baby. We talked about God, family, country. And it was so exciting. Uh, nerve-wracking because it's like oh my gosh this is actually really bad if this many people are getting together and also noticing the dangerous trends in this great state of utah but it was it was also inspiring because it's nice to see the community level organization and that's what we're going to talk about today um when i (laughs) i don't mean to seem like a real bumpkin or anything like this but when i was driving through rural utah with my dad we were we would go on little like drives and adventures and stuff because we liked to see all the communities and everything. We were in like Camas area, right? We are out in the more rural area of the state at this point. And it was so weird, you guys. I kid you not. We would be driving and you'd think you're in a remote area, but then all of a sudden you you turn the corner around the base of a mountain, small smaller mountains, I'm not talking about like the bigger ones, but like a, around the base of a mini mountain and you look, and the, all of a sudden, the entire wall of that mountain is covered in apartment buildings. It's, it's an apartment complex on the side of this rural remote mountain in the middle of Utah. It's like, well, bam. And then same thing, condos all throughout the base, all throughout the valley of this, this remote hidden mountain base. And then you go around the next corner and you think again, okay, now you're like actually on the outskirts. And then, well, bam, there is this development being built of homes, of very nice high quality homes, yes, but right on top of each other. And this is something that I didn't like about Texas either. When I was in Bernie looking for a home, it was so hard because the the newer homes are stacked on top of each other, basically, you guys. Like you could, I could stand and put my hands out wide in a star shape and my fingertips would touch each of the separate houses next to each other. That's how close the houses are in Texas. And they were so expensive compared to the ones that were maybe built like 10 or 15 years ago. And so that's what I went with. And I got like a little bit more of a yard. Um, but in Utah, that's exactly what it was. Now, if you ask me the, first of all, these apartments and condos and homes are probably so, so expensive. I mean, it's it, the prices are so jacked up there. My friend Kier is a real estate agent there, and she posts the comparisons of her community because she monitors them, and she is like, oh, my goodness. Um, looking at the cost of something like that, you you have to just basically admit – The only people that can afford that are the people that are used to living in California and New York in shacks for millions of dollars. And now they come out to Utah and they look at something like that and they go, oh my gosh, look at this big, beautiful house that I can get for so cheap. And there's so much space because to them, that's a cheap house to them. That's a lot of opportunity of land. And that's a big neighborhood with, with lots of space for your home and for your yard. But we look at that and we're like, uh, what is this like a mini city all of a sudden on the side of a mountain? Who would who would pay that much to live like that? Like who would move to rural Utah and pay that much money to have zero yard to be able to put your hand out and touch the home of your neighbor? It's it goes against my way of life, my way of of how I would like to live. It's it's the antithesis of what I would enjoy, but it's in a community that I would have enjoyed living in 
And I think that's a big predicament. First of all, we're all being priced out of being able to live the lives that we've always wanted because these people are like romanticizing the idea of escaping to the mountains, if you know what I mean. It's it's really weird. But to them, you guys, the prices are still super affordable when they consider moving to our communities. To us, they are now pricing us out of our own communities. And that's what I heard a lot at this bonfire event. And it was really, really sad. But again, it's nice to see that the community members are coming together. I was horrified, though, to see on the side of these mountains how much was being developed. Because in 10 years, oh boy, that that whole area is going to look completely different. And that makes me sad. Um, but alas, human nature. We must expand. We must grow. Um, so... <laughs> In the transition of this, I'll tell you a little story. When I was driving, first of all, I love driving all over, and I said that, but one of my favorite places to drive through, I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, one of my favorite places to drive through is uh, Native American reservations. (laughs) And so on the drive up to Utah, first of all, the two days of the trip was probably, they were probably some of them the best days of my life. I don't know why. Like I was completely alone. I was just driving. I had my little sunroof open. It was nice. It was like 40 or 50 degrees. It was, it was just a beautiful day. Both days were beautiful days. There was like not a cloud in the sky and it was just really, really special and, and peaceful. So I really enjoyed it. But what was so fun is I drove through the Navajo reservation and you guys, it's so fun to drive through the reservations because they have a local radio station usually and they play like really cool cultural music that fits the um reservation the people in the community in the reservation and i don't know about you guys but i love irish music i love italian music i love greek music i love the music of of like traditional cultures in that way and so i also love native american music And I enjoyed the heck out of it. The weird thing about the Navajo reservation, I'm putting this out there because I want you to message me if you've ever heard these before on this reservation or any of the other ones. Between these, this really cool music that was playing, that was just awesome. There were these weird propaganda COVID commercials playing in February, 2022. You guys like it sounded as if it was March, 2020 in these commercials. And I can't tell if this was like high schoolers in the school. Cause it kind of sounded like, I think the students were putting the show on in a way or like running the channel. But I also don't know if that was really the case, but it sounded like maybe it was like a project that the school put on, but either way, it was this really badly acted skit that would play. And it was this, this man. And he would say, Oh, I really wish I had a hamburger. And then the, the woman would say, oh, why do you want a hamburger? Something Like, I'm paraphrasing. And the guy went, well, it sounds like it would be yummy. I am craving a hamburger. I'm going to go to the store and get a hamburger. And at this point, this is on the, the radio, and I am like, what is this? So then I turn it up, and I keep listening more. And, and she goes, oh, no, you cannot go to the store for hamburger. You must stay here. COVID-19 could spread to you at the store. (laughs) And so the commercial is them going back and forth and she's telling the man that he needs to give up his craving of a hamburger because it's not safe for him to go physically into a store because he could catch COVID-19, you guys. I kid you not. 
I listened to that and I said, you got to be kidding me. So then I kept the station on, of course, to try and listen to the next one. The next one comes on and he says he's going, go get gas at the store. So then she says, oh, you must be careful. Remember to cover your hands when you're touching the handle at the gas station. The gas station handle could have COVID-19 germs on it. And you don't want to spread that. If we all act as a good community together, we can fight COVID-19. And I was like, didn't the science come out a long time ago saying that it doesn't stick to surfaces and that that was all a scam? Like, remember when we used to all like wipe down the packages that got delivered and everybody was nervous to get, pick up uh, packages and mail and, and things at the grocery store and everybody was wiping their stuff down? That got debunked a long time ago, you guys. But on this Navajo reservation, there are these weird propaganda commercials scaring people into not touching the gas station handles or going to the store Unless you absolutely need the food because you might get COVID-19 and spread it to your family. Something about it seemed a little fear-mongery, if you know what I mean. It, it was like, I, I totally understand having some commercials about awareness, but wow, something about that was a little creepy. Um, now that being said, back to my love of Native American music. A little weird. Please don't cancel me. Honestly, I'm not going to bend the knee. Sorry, I'm just kidding. I, I can't be canceled for enjoying some music. Um... What I do also like to do, I'll admit this, if you see me on a trail, because I go running every morning, and I get some messages sometimes of people like, I saw you, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I almost died. Uh, I, If you ever see me on a trail, and I am running with like a low bun, and I'm just kind of lollygagging, it's safe to say I'm listening to a casual podcast, but if I have like a, a hair tie, and my hair is flowing in a ponytail, and I'm charging forward, you can bet your bottom dollar that I am listening to Native American tribal chants. A little weird, but it works for me. Um, now, that being said, what the heck kind of podcast do I listen to if I'm just lollygagging? I have had the most fun addition to my workout routines, and it kind of plays into this this theme of this podcast, you guys. It's called Code of the West, and I wanted to give it a little shout-out because I do listen to it. One day uh, recently, I was on my explore page on Instagram and a cute little quote with, I think like a cowboy drawing or something came up and I, I just remember being like eh, cute. And I, you know, liked it because I didn't put much thought into it beyond that. But it turns out that that picture was a part of this new brand that, um, someone that I actually like knew a little bit about him before had created and it just ended up on my explore page. And so I had followed it. And then later on, I realized that it was by Chris Hunt who does, uh, he's like art director of black rifle or something, but it does really cool work. And so I didn't put two and two together for the longest time. I just thought it was a random cool account on social media. But then when I found out it was him, I was like, Oh, well now I'll support this even more. And I bought like a hat and stuff cause he just dropped merch. But the whole concept of it, of like code of the West and everything that he created was this idea of getting back. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but from what I've seen of it, it's like getting back to the idea of living by a code of, of having moral footing of living by principles. And I think we've abandoned that so much. I mean, I won't, I won't push this too hard on you guys, but I do it in like every speech, every news hit that I do features some sort of talk about how I think we are a weak people these days in America. And by that, I don't just mean physically. I think we have some problems there. Yeah, but I think we're mentally, morally, spiritually weak in so many ways. And that leads to us not being able to 
uphold the principles of America. And um, I do a, the podcast with Turning Point called called Freedom Papers. And each week we go through the Federalist and Anti-Federalist Papers. Um, but what Charles Kessler said in his introduction of the Federalist was saying that we need an enlightened public. The only way we can keep this country going is if an enlightened public is able to rationally and enduringly consent to the principles of the Constitution. And, oh my gosh, (laughs) ignorance is one of the greatest problems we face in this country. And that ignorance is connected to this concept that we are not an enlightened public. We are unenlightened. And because of these things, we are unable to rationally and enduringly consent to the principles of America, the principles of the U.S. Constitution. And so we reject them. Not only do we just not uphold them, we reject them. And it's sickening. So, again, I don't want to go too far down that one. But when I saw the Code of the West thing, I thought it was so positive. It's wholesome. It's quality, it's intentional, and I just think he deserves a shout out in that. Now, that being said, because I liked it so much, I started listening to the the podcast. And this is a good podcast if you want to listen to stuff that makes you think but also doesn't uh, make you so frustrated because it's all about politics and division. So I really recommend it. Um, but it also has the coolest intro music. That's the thing. If you're, like, running through a desert in in Arizona like I am and the music is playing and it's like cool western bonanza theme music it's like the coolest thing ever yeah most recently I was listening to the one that's called chop wood carry water and it it was just about you know the practices of someone that's successful and and what does success look like and a big lesson of that is doing this stuff that doesn't look very glamorous basically sitting down and putting in the hours of work that it takes the other one that he brought up, this was such a good point, and it, it's so interesting because I think about these things, and it's nice to hear it from a man's perspective, but he was talking about how there's these these principles. There's this code when you're young that older generations, we've kind of lost it in America now, but older generations, they just lived by it. You know, there was just rules that were rules, and you didn't exactly know why. And perhaps part of the problem, I've been thinking about this, is that those generations didn't explain to us why we do these things. Instead, they just said, you must do these things. And his example was taking a hat off inside. It used to be absolute that when a man walked in a room, if he walked inside, he's taking his hat off. Whether it's a cowboy hat or a baseball cap or a fedora. And all of a sudden, especially our generation, can you, do people even do that anymore? I mean, when a man does that now, it is like, oh, like all the women swoon. You know what I mean? We're like, oh my gosh, a real gentleman. I wish guys still did that. But he explained it that like in when he was young, he was rebelling. And why does he need to follow this? He doesn't follow uh, the crowd in that way. And now he's saying he looks back at it and he realizes that that was supposed to be when, it, when you take your hat off, you're showing humility. You're entering the room and you're showing respect to the people in there. It's that kind of principle. It's something bigger than, oh, a rule that you must take your hat off. And I I wonder if the problem with a lot of this stuff, I have so many parents that come up to me after my speeches, especially like uh, at conferences and stuff where they're specifically there because they're worried about everything going on with young, younger generations. They come up to me and they say, Morgan, I, I raised my, my child in a good Christian conservative home and they went to college and they came back a leftist. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard that story, you guys. And I'm starting to wonder if perhaps 
we we raise the children in Christian conservative homes with Christian conservative rules and expectations and guidelines, but instead of raising the children to have a deep understanding and appreciation and respect for those things, we just raised them in that environment and expected them to obtain their own form of respect and appreciation for them. And they didn't because they were just kind of forced through that. And maybe as soon as they were set free, they were like, I do not want to be a part of this at all. And so I always think when I have kids, like how can I do my best to raise them in a way that they don't want to go on their phones. They don't hate me for saying no screen time. Instead, they see the value of not living on their phones. They see the value of being independent and free versus being dependent on the government. Stuff like that. Uh, and not only that, but like they see the value in entering a room and taking off their hat. And they want to show the respect to the people in the room. And so that's why they do it. Because they understand the core values of it. So uh, I know I keep talking about this guy. But like shout out to the Chris Hunt um, project that he has code of the west i think it's at code of the west on instagram i'm sorry if i'm wrong Uh, i think it's really really special and i hope you guys go and support him in that now let's move on into where i was kind of getting with that transition from me saying that i listened to native american music to then i listened to code of the west um Let's go back to that concept of the Western adventure that I was on and how Bonfire 2022 and the people of Utah are working together to protect their community as massive amounts of people are moving in there from blue states. Um, The first thing that I think we need to consider, if we're looking at action items, you guys, the first thing we all need to be doing is making sure that like what Chris was saying, like with Code of the West, you are passing down a code that you live with and that you live by. And so I don't mean just you doing that. I think it's important for us to all live with principle, but we need to pass it down from generation to generation. And then we need to take it a step further and say, as a community, we have this code. Welcome to our community. This is our code. This is how we do things. And this is our way of life. Instead of what we have right now, which are just completely isolated areas that aren't communities anymore. So then people come and go. And most importantly, people are coming right now and they aren't being welcomed and greeted with a, hello, this is how things are here. And I think we need to bring that back. And so that concept of spreading the code, spreading the way of life is really important in this. When we think of that sense of community, I felt so sad because when I moved to Bernie, it was my first time buying a home and I I was really excited. Like you guys have to realize I moved from New York state, from New York state to Texas. I got a lot of pushback when I was in Texas from Texans that said, oh, that's where you're from, so you're a liberal. You're ruining this state. Like, immediately. Like, what? (laughs) Like, uh, uh, hi, I'm Morgan, and I've been a Republican conservative my whole life. I'm not exactly a Republican anymore, but I, I, I just have problems with the GOP. But I'm a very conservative woman, and I vote conservative in everything I do, and I'm here to live out my values in Texas. I could no longer live in a tyrannical state. Did anybody care to ask before they judged me on that? Absolutely not. That's the first mistake. Like, what? Are you kidding? So why are we so aggressive towards people that just moved here? Perhaps we should be a little kinder. Because, like, hi, I I run an anti-socialist communist nonprofit, and I'm here to vote conservative, and you just told me that I'm ruining your state. Thank you. Um... That was a little aggressive. And I'm talking that was many, many times over. The next is I moved into my house in Bernie, Texas. And not a single gosh darn person came to my door to introduce themselves. Now, when I was young, 
my family, my dad's in the military. He's a colonel and just retired, like I said, in the beginning. And we would move a lot. And whenever we moved, I remember food baskets would be brought to our door and and cookies would be brought. People would bake brownies and bring them over. And and each family in the neighborhood basically made a stop at our door and introduced themselves and said, welcome to the neighborhood. And I remember expecting that and being excited for that. This is, don't feel bad for me, but like I was moving into this house alone and I was excited for that and I expected it fully. And it just never happened. And so at first I was like, maybe they're just waiting for me to like finish unpacking everything. Or maybe they're just waiting for me to, to you know, look more settled in or what. No, it just never happened. <laughs> in fact, what did happen was the only visitor that I had, of course, Owen and Talia, they lived down the road and they were already my friends. So they were always coming over. The only interaction that I had with neighbors really was when this dog from down the road named Ruby the neighbor, I was shocked by this, let her out like roaming the neighborhood all the time. And we lived by a busy, like busy route. And so I was a little nervous about that dog all the time. But I would be painting with the doors open and, and Ruby would like just come and hang out with me. She was like a hunting dog. And I never even met the neighbor, but the dog, Ruby, was always in my house. How shocking is that? And so the first time I see Ruby, like any normal situation, when you lose a dog in the neighborhood, I, I, there was no tag on it. So then I went and I tried to just bring it over to the neighbor next door. And I was like, Hey, th- this dog was just in my house. Um, it came through the front door when I was carrying in paint. Do you know who it belongs to? And they were like, Oh yeah, that's just the neighbor down the road. And I was like, Oh, I'm Morgan. I just moved in here by the way. The guy could, couldn't have cared less. Um, so that was my like one interaction with neighbors for when I moved into that neighborhood. What should it have looked like? Guys, a conservative just moved to Bernie, Texas, and you're telling me that the GOP district chair couldn't be bothered to send me a message welcoming me? You couldn't have the precinct person come knock on my door and say, welcome, are you registered to vote yet? I mean, where is the community organization of conservatives welcoming people into the community? And I'm not not saying you can only go to Republican stores, but where is the welcome committee for all these people? Because they're either going to move to your community and be a conservative that registered to vote because they're responsible and that'd be great. But let's be honest, you guys, most Americans don't vote. Most Americans don't register to vote. So I think we should be meeting people at their door when they are moving and they we welcome them to the community and we say, hey, here's your voter registration form. We would love to have you. We are having this event. We're having a potluck, whatever you want to do, but welcome to the community. Then here's the thing. They might not be a conservative. And I think you're going to, let's be honest, you can kind of tell right away with most people. So let's say you meet your neighbor and you want to help them register to vote, but all of a sudden, oh my gosh, you don't even know if they're going to like you because it turns out they're kind of uh, liberal. They just came from California and you're getting some vibes that these people are going to bring their values with them because a lot of people are. A lot of people out there are leaving California, leaving New York, and bringing their values with them. And they do not understand that their values, the way they voted, led to the problems that they just fled from. Here's where this last aspect comes in that I'll tell you guys before I head out. When I started my nonprofit, Young Americans Against Socialism, uh, I did a lot of research into communication approaches, communication tactics that would allow us to become the most effective communicators possible in this mission because I'm very serious about it. And I found a study 
I can't remember from where. I've talked about it for so many years at this point. I'm getting old and I can't even remember. Uh, I'm like also slurring my words because what do you know? It's eight o'clock at night and Morgan's a grandma. Morgan needs to go to sleep. But um, there's a study, I think from university or Michigan State University. There we go. It rolls off the tongue. Michigan State University. I feel like I've said that so many times in speeches. Uh, so study from Michigan State University was put on to figure out how to get people to be able to be more susceptible to hearing an opposing viewpoint or even more important, how do you get people to take in information that they don't just memorize, especially like students that memorize information and then spit it out on the test the next day and then they forget it the next day after that. And then what do you know, their brain is empty from, from that entire topic. How do you get them to deeply comprehend the subject? And not only that, but deeply comprehend why it's important, why it's important to them and the people around them and to society as a whole. And this study proved that it turns out the most effective way to reach a young person or reach a person with with an opposing viewpoint or with a hard-to-understand topic is actually hearing it from a peer, not from a parent or a professor. So people don't open up when they're being talked down to, when they're being talked at. The most effective way proven by this study to reach somebody and actually change their heart and mind is to communicate to them as a peer. So it was called peer-to-peer communication. The study, I think, deemed it peer rationale. Maybe that's an older term, but the study called it peer rationale, the most effective way to reach a person with a hard topic. Uh Uh-oh. Now, a lot of people don't want to be handed responsibility these days, and I think that's a shame. I say now's the time to really take up the mantle on this one, okay? Now's the time to really move forward. And when you know that the science is saying that you yourself are the most effective person in communicating the values of freedom, in reaching the people that just moved into your community about why your community is so special, why it's worthy of leaving one state crossing country in many situations, like if you're in Florida, and moving into that new, completely foreign territory. Why is your state worth it? It turns out you are the most effective communicator possible when it comes to explaining this to the new people that are moving into your state that might be bringing their dangerous liberal or leftist values with them. It's very exciting to me. It's a lot of pressure, you know, because it's like, uh-oh, now it's on my shoulders that I actually have to do this. But you guys, I find a lot of inspiration in that, just like with socialism. like that's, So that's why I interview survivors from socialist and communist countries. That's why I have the nonprofit. That's why I do that work, because hearing it from a peer, hearing that on a peer level is the most effective way. So I obviously want to interview people who can personally, as a friend, explain it to the camera for all the viewers out there that need to hear it on a peer level instead of like reading it in a history textbook that communists are bad. Um which is, are there even history textbooks out there that will say communists are bad at this point? <laughs> Kidding. Um, I hope. I hope that there are some. But but that's the thing, you guys. We have a big challenge ahead of us, and it's the fact that we are truly the most effective communicators in this issue, and that's really where the work is going to be done, in voter registration, in voters showing up at actual elections, in community organization, and I don't mean the crazy communist leftist community organizing because that's a whole other deal. Maybe we'll talk about that book, um, Rules for Radicals by Saul Alinsky one day. But 
there's a lot of work to be done with voter registration, with community organization, rethinking community and rethinking the education of our children, of course, and most importantly, in the communication of our values and our way of life to the new people that are going to be entering our communities in our red states. So don't do what the people of Texas did to me. Make sure that you're welcoming your new neighbors because guess what? You can't send them packing. They're there. There's no changing that. But what you can change is their view, their perspective on the community, and their understanding of the impact of their choices. So I hope that helps you guys. Um, Again, go to at the Code of the West on Instagram because he's super sweet. He's got really cool merch, and I got myself a little trucker grandpa hat that I even wear, and it says, like, live by your word. Let me see what it is. I always forget this, but I got a hat. Um, oh, so live with courage, keep your word, Code of the West. Oh, come on, you guys, super cool. So um, that's what I did, and then if you guys want to support me, if you could just do me a favor and do the five-star review on the podcast and subscribe and give a little review and – obviously say this is the best podcast you ever did here and um if you want to support in other ways you could support my family business which is eggersfreedomflags.shop use code freedom for free shipping on any flags or political signs i'll see you guys later and uh, thanks so much General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.